Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Craze Cast, the podcast run by the fans for the fans that brings you closer to the action. My name is Roxy, and today I'm joined by my fellow team members, Jay and Amber. Hi, everybody. Hey, guys. To keep up with all of our content, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Craze Magazine, and YouTube, The Craze, for exclusive interviews as they come up. So how are you guys doing with everything happening? Happy Easter, by the way. Yeah, happy Easter to those of you who celebrate it. There's been a lot happening these days, but we'll get into that. I feel like things are finally getting better. It seems like it's been a while since that's been the case, so I'm feeling optimistic. All right, so today uh, we are going into an article discussion uh, that is in our latest print issue, which was released uh, earlier this week, uh, Q1 April. Uh, We are going to be diving into the new generation of K-pop, which is a article that uh, Jay wrote. So how about uh, you give us a bit of an introduction, Jay? This article that I wrote is talking about the new generation of K-pop and just what are, you know, what are the things that is happening right now or things that, you know, we may foresee in the future in regards to how K-pop is being marketed and, um, the styles and sounds and what's going on with the culture in K-pop and what it is to be a fan nowadays comparing to when we were fans like in past years, stuff like that. So I am the most new fan here. I would say I came around um, as Gen 3 was sort of getting, you know, solidified and we're about to move into gen four i would say um but you guys have been around for quite some time like what are the major differences that you notice in generations well definitely the artists tend to pander to the fans a lot more per se i think the fan the artist expectation when it comes to their fans is a lot different now and unpopular opinion i think fans and in particular, artists are uncomfortable with the idea of trying to chastise their fans if things get out of hand. And so I think that's definitely a difference in um, how things look between like the fan and artist relationship. Um, with artists themselves, I think just access to um, a lot of ways to self-promote is actually um, the biggest change, really. I've definitely noticed that there's just a bigger push to put yourself out there and immerse yourself in more activities whereas before it used to only be music shows or tv shows where you get to see these um idols perform or interact with other people but now you know in the day and age of social media we access is so much more faster and easier that the there's so many other groups that are out there that were you know that are getting trying to put their name out there and and now it's just not a struggle of trying to see okay here we are it's a new group how are we gonna put ourselves out there and make ourselves stand out more aside from just doing these tv shows and music shows and stuff like that so i think definitely the access to everything is a lot more easier to be a K-pop idol and that 
also now companies, I feel like they're putting their all into not only marketing them in Korea, but overseas as well. And you can see it with how the quality of music videos has definitely ramped up. And it's just like, if you go back through the years and, um, and look at music videos, it's just like, oh, wow, these companies are definitely stepping up to meet the demand of how to stand out. And I'm like, oh, this is all like, it's happening so fast, but it, it's def- a definite change that you've seen throughout the years. Not to like pick on anybody specifically, but when you talk about like quality of videos or even like quality of choreography, my first thought is like super junior. <laughs> because if you watch some of their old stuff, it's kind of cringy. I mean, their track, uh, I think it's EIEA. Sorry if I mispronounce the title track. I mean, I think nowadays, super, super junior in particular. Um, they're branching out more. I think things changed a lot when they branched off into Label J and were kind of more in a managerial role of their own music. Like E-I-A, I am so sorry. I'm sorry, Super Junior fans. It was produced by Zico. And so they, I think the sound and the willingness to expand outside of like their company's brand and their genre has enabled groups to adjust their sound as their demand and worldwide music consumption has changed. I also want to mention like if you look at past music videos a lot of groups were just confined to this like box type set but nowadays you also see idols venturing out where they're actually either going overseas and shooting their music videos or they're just not caged in this you know, one particular set. And it's definitely, you've seen it and I'm like, wow, K-pop has grown a lot, even if in that sense where it's just like now these companies are pushing to um, be more out there and like, okay, how can I make my group stand out even more? Let's just not put them in a box set with, you know, I mean, not to say or put anybody down for those who who can keep it to like a regular set because they know how to make it work for them but it's just not something two-dimensional anymore if you if you guys get what I'm trying to say does it make sense that makes me think like because I know um ATs before they debuted they like went and did some sort of workshops in LA um and then you know BTS had the whole that well that that reality show that they did <laughs> where uh 2014 i think it was um where they were sent over here to sort of do more study on oh god guess, american hustle life Ugh. yes american hustle life uh i can't watch <laughs> i can't watch the uh the opening uh series for that anymore i watched it one time i'll never watch it again but it it shows like that they were a third generation group that was sort of expanding to the roots of their music and their success also, I feel like has come from getting out of that box because if you pay attention to what their, their debut concept was kind of cringy, but like the song still went off anyway, Uh, but they were able to, you know, like move their sound and sort of, that's what I think brought them so much success. Also, I would say that they were one of the pioneers on social media um, that sort of made it what it is today. Because I remember in 2015, 
um, when I was getting into them. Um, I feel like I didn't have a lot of access to EXO whatsoever when I was, you know, a big fan of EXO. Uh, but BTS was already on Twitter and, you know, the members were posting a lot. And you see, like, every group does that now. Suho from EXO just recently did his um, Twitter, like, Q&A Blue Room event. And it's just like, oh, like, now you see these groups um, tackling, like, okay, let's let's just go with the internet audience and see what they're saying too and i mean they there's also showcases and like opportunities to do it online through like v live or through a youtube live stream but there there's opportunities like that where um fans can also interact with the idol too and sometimes even on instagram live too like if for if an artist has their own personal instagram you know they're they're wanting to talk to their fans more and interact Absolutely. Um, for those who don't know, VLive is actually fairly new. It came out August 2015. Um, it's really hasn't been in the game that long. And I definitely agree that BTS really did pioneer the need for idols to be able to self-promote and get that relationship out there. And I think that's really what helped them start at the beginning. I mean, no, that's how I found them. Um, and I think that's how the reason why companies are allowing their idols to have that access now is because it's a proven thing that has worked. Um, and honestly, again, another unpopular opinion, if Big Hit did not allow them to do that social media push, um, those vlogs, those um, YouTube videos, they wouldn't be where they are today. Like they honestly, Big Hit would be just another one of those little companies that fly under the radar. No, I totally agree with that because what really made me, you know, sort of switch teams was that they had all of this content that I could go and see and that it, they allowed, I feel like they were one of the first groups that really allowed their idols to show the personal side of themselves, right? Because idols in general um, had to have a perfect image. And I mean, they still do to an extent, but um, it's not as you know prevalent as it was. And I think that is definitely the foundation of what made them so popular. Uh, side note, by the way, just because we're having this discussion, uh, I thought it would be interesting to go see if any idols were uh, on live right now. And uh, there is. Park Jian, uh, formerly of Tiara, is doing a Q&A on Instagram right now. And again, these days, all the idols are online. I remember at the height of the, um, the virus situation in Korea, one day, um, Five idol groups went live all at once. I think Winner was giving homework help. Stray Kids was working out. Um, ATs was cooking. And they're all bored these days. So they're utilizing social media even more to connect with their fans when they really don't have access to their fans right now with the current situation. So I think getting back to those roots has been quite interesting for a lot of them. I must say, too, I really enjoy when, like, these idols go on live and do, like, domestic things. Like, I don't know, I just, <laughs> winner giving homework help is the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. I would like homework help. I'm not a student, but can you give me homework help? Um, and I think it's just having these new ways to connect. Like, I'm going to bring um, up, like, Stray Kids, for example, that Bangchan last year, made a challenge that he was going to do a V-Live every week. 
for 52 weeks straight. And we all know that that was broken briefly, but he's now changed it to a monthly life. And like having these like set like appointments or quote dates with idols has made it like quite interesting to see how like the fandom connects and how I don't want to say possessive they are but I think the more that the idols show us like that personal side or quote unquote personal side because we really never know what the truth is when the cameras are off um I think is influenced by the access of like the social media and at the end of the day these idols are like all teens and 20 somethings that really just want to do the same thing that all of us are doing spend stupid amounts of time on the internet speaking of spending time on internet also i don't i totally forgot it slipped my mind like you also have idols who play video games and you know if you're lucky enough you can be in one of the groups that they're in and sometimes they stream it or like do stuff like that and it's just like there's even more ways of interacting with your idol and it like back then like the only times you really could interact with your idol is if you attended a fan meet and that has changed too i remember how big of a deal that was and like to me when my idols go go live and i get the notification it just like brightens up my day whenever I see my favorites on live, like they don't even have to do anything. Like half the time that Yugi goes on there, he's just eating. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, same though. I know, um, bringing up Stray Kids again, they like to eat lunch with us. Like they will just pop it open and be like, hey, what's up guys? And just sit there and eat food and just chat with us. Like V Live and Instagram Live, like those lives in general I think there's also the flip side of it yes they want to connect with fans but also like connect fans with their job but at the end there are people too like I guess it does help idols combat that like loneliness that comes from being an idol and having that connection so they could have that conversation and have feel like they're building that rapport with other people does that make sense I don't feel like that made sense I think I get what you're saying as in like they spend a lot of time working, right? So they don't really have the ability to have like an extensive social life necessarily. Um, so it's just connecting essentially with other human beings. Right, absolutely. And I think a lot of people can relate, um, especially during this time, those of us who are extroverts, me, if you don't have that human connection, um, it's going to drive you crazy. I know everyone was in... Jay's article had talked about how um, music shows are a big push. These days, artists have to perform on music shows without fans. Um, and so they're missing a key part of the fan culture that has been established. And I guess it's going to be taking a wear and tear on them. I mean, imagine these idol groups that had debuted right as they had closed fan meetings and pre-recordings off. Like, imagine how they're feeling right now. They haven't really seen their fans face to face. Yeah, the whole situation, like, worldwide has been extremely difficult for all of us. I'm not even an extrovert, and I can't stand being in my house anymore. But, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be these rookie groups that have to, you know, push for popularity, but not really have the chance to sort of see the people that are there to support them. They can only really, you know, hear a lot of nonsense and I mean, like, if you go through, like, idol Twitters and you see the responses on their posts, like, I don't know how they go through all of that crap. Most of it is crap. Like, let's be real. 
with the situation being so dire and things like a lot of um, idols are trying to use that extra time to kind of fill that gap because let's be real k-pop is an industry and it's a business um and korea is gets a lot of money in their economy from this business and i think social media and the added activity has kind of added um to the need to put money in those idols pockets because honestly everyone's losing money right now that's a fact even though i'm losing money i'm still buying all of this merch speaking of (laughs) Because, I mean, when you get bored, like, online shopping is, is like, the norm. I just can't help it. But I've Jay also brought up... I've spent too much money buying acrylic pins from fan art artists. I feel that. I love acrylic pins so much. I'll send you a link I don't to even some know. of my favorites. I don't even know when or how I will use them, but I buy so many of them. There's a... Get a backpack to carry to and from work that's what I did that has like a plastic cover where you can put the acrylic pins in it um so you can display them Korean my Korean friends are like oh you're so quirky and creative and I'm just like this is just fan culture quirky (laughs) they're called Ita bags if you guys don't know about them is that the name for them I have never yeah they're called Ita bags interesting uh I was looking at the the marketing push that you're talking about um how K-pop is like the only genre where you see people mass buying albums. Like I have maybe like two CDs from my favorite band that's not in K-pop and I have like an entire like shelf full of K-pop albums because of what comes with them is like there's just so much stuff in it. Like the large amount of freebies or versions. Let's just talk about versions first. Like I I can't say exactly who started it first. I want to say it's EXO who started with the multiple versions of albums. Didn't they? I, they did like, with Exodus. I, I remember think, they had like each yeah. member album. And because of that, like because they started doing these multiple versions, now you have other groups that followed along after it. And more recently, as an example, because I'm excited for this album, GOT7 just announced five different versions for their newest album. And I'm like, I want all of them i must have all of them but my wallet say no (laughs) because it's like girl you don't have that much money to buy all of them let's be real but now you see these multiple versions coming out and all of the goodies that are coming inside of it whether it's a not only is it the cd it's the photo card it's the lyric book there's so many things and i mean I've n- I don't know if you two have um like fan club cl- kits, but there's even that because I I want one, but I haven't just committed myself to getting one yet for any of the groups I stand. But I was just like, there's that in terms of items or merchandise that you can get for a K-pop idol, and that is so much different back then where it used to be just the simple like. Do you guys remember the jewel case CDs? It used to be that. The, let me talk about fan club kits for a minute because as the team member that's in Korea and has the easiest access um, to these kits, there's no reason why I should be spending $30 for a photo book, a pin, and like a ID cards. Um, but ideally, the only thing that really you need out of that kit is the membership card. But even then... They really need to work on 
finding a reason for international fans to buy them because honestly having the membership really doesn't benefit international fans in the slightest. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, I've been getting BTSs for a couple years just because I have a, a collector problem, um, which is also why I have way too many photo cards. I just like have to have these things. Um, but I actually signed up for, for ATs as this year with like the hope that I have a membership and will be able to get over to Korea this year and like actually use it because otherwise really there's not really a reason to have it. I mean, BTS really has changed up the game as of recently of having that pre-sale with the newest army kit but do i see other groups following suit anytime soon no but let's talk more about merch i know there's a big thing that blew up with super m um a few months ago that selling merch alongside their albums and i think that kind of just caused like a bunch of hubbub in in the K-pop fandom in general, do you think that this would have been an issue earlier on, or do you think that it's something that we um, are only seeing now because of the, I guess, like transparency of the internet? Please elaborate on the Super M thing because I don't follow them very closely. They were their album shot up the Billboard chart charts like out beating out BTS and everyone was saying it was due to bundling and bundling is when um, an album is given alongside a piece of merch and that album still counts towards charts um, like charting amounts and they think because of the bundling situation is the reason why they shut up the charts Um, but many people wouldn't know that that was the issue at the time if they didn't have access to like the charts the um, social media spreading that news and it became such a big deal that like even western media outlets were reporting on it that makes sense to me because if i remember correctly they also um for their tour were giving giving an album to everybody that bought a ticket but it's kind of like it it kind of doesn't surprise me because other artists here do it too like other non-k-pop artists i should say because um who did who did i go to uh i went to a michael buble concert yes completely not k-pop but he is an amazing singer and when i got tickets for his concert um they offered a free album too and i think it's like it it didn't surprise me that they were creating merch or like doing the whole bundling thing but i think that just comes with the territory of them being signed with western um labels that uh, they're with capital records correct um and of course with such a big aim of being like a huge international k-pop group and wanting to break into the into the industry here it it wasn't a surprise to me that they they try everything and anything to put their name out there and do all of these promotions that we saw that happened with super m like for example they did the whole barnes and noble fan signing of it and that was like one of the first ones that i've ever seen where it's like what they're doing like wait there's a K-pop group actually implementing fan signs at such a huge chain store. What? I want to be a part of that. I mean, I couldn't because it was only strictly to LA. And I'm like, I can't get myself up there on a weekday. I work. 
but um yeah it like it doesn't surprise me and like the thing is is that there are more groups getting signed to um to western labels here and it's i'm not saying it's like for sure gonna happen but expect to see it with some of these groups that are because they're gonna try and push the big market here too no absolutely and i don't see anything wrong with that i like I'm all for these groups charting, um, but then again, where are all these extra albums going to? Um, I know that's a big argument with people who do fan signs. Um, it's the fact that the wastefulness of the album um, if people don't keep them or give them away. Um, so that's kind of just something that bugs me about the whole bundling situation. But speaking of albums and the contents that are in it, Roxy had brought up the fact that um, albums are full of all these goodies and things, which is completely different from the Western market. Um, Now, I'm sorry, BTS, I'm going to pick on your new album. Um, The way the album was marketed was it was, had a photo book, it had all these goodies in it, and the price was increased. Um, I know there was discussions that Big Hit had that they were trying to make their albums nicer, nicer but more eco-friendly. Um, but they forgot to market that when they released the album. They increased the cost of the album. They increased the size of the album. But the overall quality of the internal things of the album, in my opinion, lessened. I'm not saying that's the opinion of a lot of people, but it did cause a bit of unrest. Um, when the Map of the Soul 7 was released. I don't know if you guys have picked up an album yourselves and felt like the change in quality. I have not yet personally, but I do remember hearing about how it seemed like the quality went down. And to me, I mean, I'm not surprised because like we have a print magazine, right? And we work very hard on making sure that it is very high quality, but quality also comes with a cost, right? So Big Hit is probably trying to save money because they know that they're going to get a lot of sales. They're trying to, I don't want to say do less, but like they're just, the focus is on saving money, right? So the quality will go down in order to save money um, and people will still buy it. Absolutely. I agree um, with that. I think the big argument a lot of people were having with it is that big kids trying to be more eco-friendly, but you can get high quality recycled paper Um, And that would have justified increasing the cost. I just think, honestly, they, like, I'm used to inflated costs in America, but they inflated the cost here in Korea. When the average BTS album is like $18 US, it was almost $23 US here. And that's a huge jump. That's almost a $5 jump from the original cost of the album, um, like the previous albums. But then again, their album is the size of little bigger than 8x10 picture frame. It's like, 11 by 17 it's too big if you ask me (laughs) i literally have to store it on its side on my bookshelf and it's about as thick as like the 80s first round of albums like that box boxy shape it's that thick that size and that thick i'm like no one needs an album like that aside from merchandise uh going a little bit further into it in terms of sound for the new generation I I mentioned that, you know, there's these things where I think you've seen BTS and EXO do their own universe 
of stories and concepts. And I feel like now, because they've established that type of um, universe, I feel like going forward, this new generation is going to try and do their own thing and create their own universe of how they want to market themselves and create this story for themselves. But I mean, other than that, like, you know, you're still going to have big influences of R&B, hip hop, pop, and um, it's still going to be a big thing. And I think I mentioned that it's still going to be centered around what's the catchiest beat? How is this going to be addictive? And what's going to get them shooting up the charts that it's going to have that replayable quality to it? No, absolutely. And I think the changes also come from the fact of the push of the singer-songwriter and producer. Um, a lot of groups, uh, Seventeen is known for being doing everything completely in-house. And I think that really does affect the change, the change in their sounds. Like they debuted with this fresh and boy, like fresh, youthful concept. And now we get hits like, um, like Fear was their last real... Fear was their last Korean release, I think. Um, and so we get like these dark, emo, grungy hits. And I think the fact that a lot of these groups were watching them grow up and seeing their sound change, but then I, and seeing it reflected in their music. But then again, um, at the end of the day, they're playing to the market. So most recently, a lot of fans say that like the trend has been noise. And honestly, that's what Korea is into right now. Loud, obnoxious music. Okay, but fear is a jam and it's not loud and obnoxious. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Fear is gorgeous. But like if we look into things like side effects or not saying dala dala is noise, but it's like that loud and poppy, like things you might find at like electronic EDM. Interesting that you brought up side effects because the first time I heard that song, I did not know what it was. I thought it was terrible first of all (laughs) but like it's just it was just so out there in my opinion america is a little behind on the sound and korea is open to being a bit more experimental on sound so i think when western artists western artists hear this experimental sound they are able to not pick up on it as quickly like they're more judgmental I mean, that makes sense to me because the Western musical landscape is pretty, I don't want to (laughs) say, I feel, I feel like the Western landscape is very stuck in its ways. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I definitely agree. Uh, The last little bit that Jay brought up in her article was uh, like fandom events and stuff. And I would say not just like concerts are increasing around here, but the opportunity for fan signs also has been skyrocketing just even in the last few months. No, absolutely. I know Super M started their fan sign thing, but honestly, I think what I think ATs was the first group to bring a fan sign that wasn't like t- targeted towards international people. Does that make sense to people? I think um, these global fan signs are becoming the norm now but they're not ran the same way like you might experience like a traditional fan sign here um in korea i think the also like the addition of things like idols showing up at random dance play events or uh, flash mobs happening in the middle of parks 
um, things like that. So like, I think at least in the Western market, they're approaching things in a more social way. It is kind of interesting to see that the way that's transforming, but um, it'll be after, I mean, after the virus passes, it'll be very interesting to see what happens, um, you know, with the landscape for the rest of the year. But let's go ahead and move on to our personal K-pop story time. I I do want to say in regards to fan meets too, um, because of the whole situation that is happening around the world, you know, not as many fan meets are happening. If you haven't noticed, there's a lot of online fan meetings that are going on right now. And um, there's an opportunity where you can actually talk to the group member and have like, I don't know if exactly how long it's going to be, but you have an opportunity to even get a video or like interact with the idol online, even if it's just for like five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. More Our rec- baby's mont are doing that right, right now. Right. I think I saw that. And then other groups are starting to jump on the trend. And if you guys follow Eric Nam, he's actually doing this thing where, you know, if you're, if you receive his text messages, which I think is really cool because you don't really see idols or like artists doing that in general, but um, that's another new thing that's going on. But if you are um, part of his thing, he's doing this. uh, If you follow his latest new podcast he has with his brother, there's an opportunity for you to even um like he'll pick like 10 fans to have like a zoom chat with which you know you don't get to see stuff like that happen and getting to be in like this space where it's a private room where you can talk to your idol is something that's brand new it's happening because of this whole pandemic and this online shift is another way and it goes into the marketing too it's another way of you know bringing fans closer to their idols in some type of way and I think that's what's really cool and like I I don't remember I I have to look back into my article again but the like back then fan meetings were just oh let's just have a like a Q&A like a portion of a Q&A let's have games and then let's perform a few songs um, GOT7 w- did one of these uh, for the turbulence area, I believe. And um, they had this fan meet, but it wasn't actually a concert. And yes, they had high touch. And a f- I believe, yes, they did have a photo opportunity. Um, moments like that are happening a little bit more less with the bigger groups, but still, like if you're a smaller rookie group, you have more interaction that way. And um, these fan meets aren't just limited to just these small concerts. Now, like what ATs is doing, they're actually sitting down with fans and they're actually signing the album in front of them. And I think that's really cool. And I really wish that that can happen more often here. And because it's just like part of me is like, I want to go to Korea. I want to buy these albums and go. I mean, yes, now people are spending a ridiculous amount of money to buy multiple albums just to get into these fan signs. But I mean, that's a rare opportunity in itself. And I think with that growing here in the Western um, front, it's just like, there's so much more opportunity. Might I also add, sorry, I know I'm ranting a little. It was Teen Top, VAV. I 
forgot. I think Vanner was when they came here and they did their concert here. The opportunity to like buy the package for not only attending the concert and being VIP, also like that fan engagement of getting a single Polaroid picture with members. Like what? You don't get to see that often. And I'm just like, more of this, please, please. Like I like this fan engagement. And that's something we are more recently seeing compared to in past years. I do want to say though, like those Polaroid things, those are things that are exclusively popping up for international fans. I know you won't see something like that here. And I think the addition of the like fan signs and fan meets is starting to even the playing field um, for international fans and domestic fans. And I think it's really cool that fans are starting to get that opportunity. All right, let's move on to our next segment, personal K-pop story time. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about uh, some memorable debuts that uh, we have witnessed. And uh, this was a difficult one for me um, because I feel like I have witnessed so many debuts that it's hard to pick out, you know, specific ones that were really impactful. I can talk about mine because... Well, aside from BAP, that's that's a given. That's a given because I bias that the, they're my ultimate group. But um, one group in particular, because they recently experienced technically their one year debut, is a group that I was kind of like, I like no, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna get into them. No, I refuse. Um, especially this was back then. I am not like this now by the way. I used to be one of those stands where like, oh my god, because of this new group, so-and-so, this group is going to like completely be overshadowed and they're not going to get as many as much love and attention. Ugh, I refuse. No, I refuse to get into this group. And that's how I felt towards NCTU. And I was like, I do not want to get into this group because this is when I was more of a hardcore EXO stan. And um, I was just like, man, with them debuting, EXO's going to get pushed off to the side, just like how Super Junior got pushed off to the side a little bit. And then that all changed as soon as they dropped Seven Cents. And I'm like, I take back every single little criticism that I had. I am all for it. I like this debut a lot. I love the sound, everything, visuals, all of them, who they are. And then I'm like, I, I, I refuse. <laughs> like, I, I acknowledge that I made a mistake and I judged too quickly. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a stan. Sign me up. Sign me up for whatever NCT is. And look where we are now. Like, we have several NCT subunits. And it's just like, I'm such a huge fan and I want to go to their concert. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to say that is one of my most memorable debuts because it's just like they managed to change my opinion so fast. And I, like, I was just like, no, like, let, let's not be judgmental like that. Another one would have to be Super M's, just because of how big of a scale that is. And I was just like, I, I really like Super M. I, I like the whole concept of it. Um, I really like all the members who are in it. But I thought that their debut here and what they did was so explosive that I, like, I mean, at like okay, okay they did that I, I could not like I, I was I, I think I was the one who wrote the article 
I would not shut up about how much I liked their debut. And like, sometimes it's like, it takes me a while to warm up to certain groups. But like, if you could do that, it's just like, wow, you made a really big impact, at least for me, that's my opinion. So those two, for me, are my most memorable debuts in K-pop. I mean, I liked everything but dropping on the Super M album, but that's just me. I have the exact opposite opinion on Super M. (laughs) I feel like they were a group thrown together, manufactured by SM purely to get sales in the United States. And I have nothing against the members, personally. Um, I actually like a lot of them very much, but I... I'm very skeptical of Super M and the whole purpose to me, it was like SM just trying to recreate BTS pretty much in the Western media, but we have differing opinions here and that's okay. I'm glad that, you know, at least somebody could look through their cynicism and enjoy what they brought. Cause you know, jumping is a jam. Like I'm not even going to pretend oh, that yeah. it's not. I, it I totally understand. I, I know why some people just like, and I, I get why some people were just so against what they were. But I mean, that aside, I mean, if I'm just talking music and music videos, I'm like, oh, yes, give me more. <laughs> give me more. I really like this. I, I mean, I really enjoyed their album. Their album through and through, I think I've listened to several times just because I've enjoyed the sound that it brought. I think that for, for my um, memorable debuts... This is gonna be this is gonna be kind of a, a curveball here, but um, one group that really captivated me when they debuted was uh, JBJ. Oh yeah, you're a really huge fan of them. I realize that you're such a huge fan. I I know. Like it had been a really long time since I had like stand a group that hard, um, and I wasn't expecting to. But when they dropped Fantasy, I was like, holy shit, this is it! Like <laughs> I love this. Um, and, you know, since they were a, a produce 101 group, you know, they weren't going to last very long. Um, and there were some issues with a couple of the members. Um, but what was really great with JBJ as well is that even when uh, the group split up, uh, two of them went and made JBJ 95. Um, so they're still around. And then the others went solo and uh, Taeyeon is with Hot Shot. So, like, they didn't go away. Um, but that one was one that really got me um obviously 80s as well uh because i ended up standing them quite hard but uh i want to throw some girl groups out there as well um because i did not see everglow coming um i thought their their first release was like really amazing um and i get why they're so popular uh kind of the same thing with g idol actually i would say I'll do a boy group and a girl group too. I think girl group has to be, I think Mamamoo, because I had a lot of expectations for a girl group coming out of RBW because they're known for their vocals. Um, And them coming out with like, most of them are older. Like they're not the traditional cutesy girl group that debuts that are all preteens and younger. I want to say my boy group debut that I was really just threw me through a loop is Golden Child. Their debut song, Dumb Daddy, like they are living in infinite shadow. So like you had a lot of expectations from them and 
they just blew me away. And their recent stuff is quite interesting how they went from this playful boy-like debut to this more rugged and intense sound. So if you haven't listened to Golden Child, you really should. And then I think TXT, honestly, because none of us knew what to expect out of a junior group after Big Hit came out with BTS. And I think their debut song, while I didn't like it at first, kind of grew on me and I kind of love them now. Side note about Golden Child, speaking of living in infinite shadow, one of the members literally is the brother of one of the infinite members so like how do you how do you get past that wait isn't he already in the military already right i don't think dale has left yet i think the brother's no, 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 no. left but i think wait Dale's did dale go dead. to the military i think he was the brother that's what i was talking about the brother it's like the brother isn't the brother serving right now so i mean he has that as just oh yeah, like, yeah, the yeah brother's not here <laughs> i can monopolize on this definitely speaking of um golden child one of their members birthday is uh, this week. So yay, happy birthday tag. I want to throw one more group in here um, just because I seem to have a history with them no matter how much I try to escape them. And that would be 17. <laughs> yeah, they were that's one true. of the, uh, the first groups um, that had a comeback when, you know, I had gotten into K-pop. Uh, and they were the first group that terrified me with how young the members were. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I know Jay and I are both old heads when it comes to K-pop. Looking at kids who debut now, I'm just like, I came across an idol that had a kid that was born in 2005, and I'm just like, you are a fetus. No, no. Okay, like, I wrote for MCND, which is like a new rookie group, and their matinee was born in 2004, and I just could not even begin to comprehend it. And they're their like style of their comeback is very hip-hop and like in your face like some of their other stuff I'm just like y'all are children I know and they look five too they don't even look like they should be doing this they look like they should be doing the schoolboy concept or like be in school like they're so tiny I mean though Ice Age is a bop um that's true it is like kind of adding to what you said Roxy about like 17 being young Somebody recently put up a thread of like pre-debut 17 on the timeline. And I'm like, no, it reminds me how young they debuted. And I'm like, uh, they're, they're kids. Oh my God. If you look at like, like Dino, Magne Dino in Adore You, he looks five, but like these days, like in fear and he's like hot. And I don't know what, I don't know how to comprehend it. It's terrifying. I don't like the fact that they're hot now. I'm just like. You were a child. What happened? But let's talk about how, like, they did all these cutesy, like, playful concepts, some more, like, rugged concepts. But once all of them were legal, they completely left turn. Okay, at least Pletus waited until they were all legal to do that. True. But then again, does Pletus really have a say in what Seventeen does anymore? Perhaps not. So at least the members of Seventeen waited until they were all legal. It's a sad fact that we have to be happy about that. I feel like Uzi was like, you know what? It's time to release this. I don't care. God bless Uzi. We all know that 17 can't be contained. I mean, you have 13 members that you got to control. They're, they're like, no, <laughs> it's too, too stressful. But do whatever you want. Just be safe. Question. Who in 17 beats the most asses to get them in line? Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought.
I mean, I feel like Minghao and Ming you could just look at them, but I feel like if it comes to like throwing hands, it's Uzi. Mingyu has height over most of them. So he's just big. He he can tower through through most of them and it's just like, okay, intimidating tall man. Okay. I feel very spiritually connected to Woozy because I too am very small and angry. That's such a move. <laughs> like, I mean, if you get I if you have Sinkan Hoshi and DK all in one room, that's already gonna be like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. All the energy is just going to feed off of each other and it's going to be like Lucy's going to be sitting back there. I'm like, oh, here we go. Mom, quality's coming right out. I guess before we move to the last topic, I just want to plug our Patreon. Um, Our Patreon is really a great way to help support the magazine and what we do. Um, We always push out content for you guys and we try to make new and exciting content daily for you guys to check out but on our patreon is where we put those exclusives that you guys want to see things like interviews um, unreleased content um, and who knows what we may be coming up with as the year um, continues on some of our patreon things could be subscribed as low as a dollar so you should take a look at that I also want to mention uh, that we have uh, quite a bit of sale going on. I have some extra stock uh, of our old print issues. So those are already on sale, but you can get free shipping as well uh, with any order over $15 if you use the discount code STOCK, S-T-O-C-K, when you are checking out. So you can get free shipping on that. So take advantage of that discount code STOCK. Wait, wait, Roxy, does that count for the newest issue we just released? Yes, it does. Ooh, getting free shipping on the new issue. Guys, you should get on that. Speaking of issues, if you also join our Patreon, if you commit to one of our higher tier prices, you do get the issue as the incentive for being a Patreon. So that there's that too, where you can get the magazine that way too. I mean, you guys want to get the new issue because if you haven't checked our social media out, the cover is gorgeous. And I want it just for the cover. All right, let's move on to our final segment, uh, underrated groups. So this week I chose a group that is very close to my heart, and that is uh, KNK. The String Beans! I love them. Just giants. The collective height of six foot. Yeah, they're giants. I swear, the year they were at KCON is the reason why the stage had to be so obnoxiously high. I remember because uh, K&K debuted in 2015, so they were another one of my newer groups. You know, I saw their their debut song, Knock, which I really love. It's a great song. They were all so big. I was like, I don't think I've seen, like, Korean idols this tall ever before. So, (laughs) all in one group, anyway. So, um, I went to do some research on them, and I was like, oh my god, all of them are over six feet tall. This is a dream. They're also a group that's had to deal with some lineup changes, Um, So it's really interesting to see how the members have changed and adapted. And I, too, agree, Roxy, that their debut song is a bop. But it's their dance, though. That that was something I haven't seen in K-pop before. Oh, wait, I lied. The Maknae is 5'11". Close enough. I've been let down. Close enough. Close enough. (laughs) I mean, he's still tall. Close enough. Taller than any of us. 
Like, I would have to look up at him. That's fair. But also, I, I want to point out that one of the members who is, like, their their lead visual has changed his name, like, three times, which is also very confusing. Uh, yes. But can we also talk about how adorable their fandom name is? I'm like, Tinkerbell. They're so cute. It, I find it so funny that their fandom name is Tinkerbell, because Tinkerbell is so tiny, but it contrasts <laughs> with how tall they are. I love that. Do you think somebody told them to do that? They were like, hey, do this irony. <laughs> Probably. Who knows? Um, I mean, they recently released their fanship kit. I mean, out of all the fanship kits that I've seen come out, well, minus cards with the shot glass, their fanship kit came with a chair and a tumbler. So I was like, huh, I can get behind this. I do want to note, too, uh, K&K debuted uh, under Y&B Entertainment. Um, but in 2018, they left the label to start their own with their manager. Um, so they are independently run right now, uh, which means sometimes they struggle a little bit to get exposure. Um, so I would like to push everybody to go check out KNK. Their latest comeback, Sunset, is amazing. And you see a lot of Heejun. Uh, I'm just going to put that out there right now. Oh, he June. I could write an essay about him. They did they did lose a member in uh must have been 2018. Um an original member, Eugen, uh ended up leaving the group. I don't remember what the reason was. Something about health, I believe. Uh, but they replaced him, so they're still five members. Um and Amber, you've mentioned that KNK has many more international fans than they do domestic. Yeah, it's unfortunately, like, they really don't get a lot of attention in Korea these days. Um, But Japanese, they're really popular in Japan, and they're really popular internationally. I mean, I didn't hear about them until KCON. And then it kind of just, like, kicked off for me. I was like, this is awesome. Their songs are really good. Who are these tall boys? And I think nowadays, you really only see them when they, like post on social media or um they go into like commercials or things but honestly you really don't hear much about them which is unfortunate because they're they're some talented boys yeah i for me when i heard of uh k and k i was like who are these groups but it's similar to amber i was like i didn't know who they really were till kcon and when they performed and i was just like oh we've been heavily sleeping on this group i mean i have haven't really recently like been keeping up with them and their like latest stuff but like it part of me always gets sad when we talk about these underrated groups who deserve more love and attention but like for me they've left a really good impression and I'm just like oh, man like they deserve more they te- definitely deserve more so everybody um Definitely go check out KNK, their latest comeback, Sunset. Um, I believe that they are having a fundraiser right now for another comeback that should be coming in the next few months. So please go help support them. They are a lovely group of men. Um, and for my older people like us, uh, they are not fetuses, which is nice because I feel like every group that we see these days are tiny. <laughs> so you don't feel bad if your immediate look is, God, they're hot. Because they are. That's just a fact. Let's uh let's go ahead and wrap up for today. So uh, any final thoughts from you guys? Wash your hands, stay safe, listen to K and K, buy our 
quarterly issue. Even if you can't buy the print issue, we do have a digital version. We just want you to read the articles we've all worked so hard on. And definitely be on the lookout to see what K-pop's going to bring for the next couple of years because it's definitely something like we're seeing all of this now, but it could change so quickly within the next coming, whether it's days, months, or the next couple of years. It's definitely keep us in the back of your mind and what we talk about today and see like how much is it going to really change in the future and seeing what these new, this new generation of K-pop is going to bring. And also, yeah, stay safe, everybody. You know, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. All right. Sounds good. So just a reminder, keep up with us on social media uh, at Craze Magazine. Uh, and we will be back next Friday um, with a new episode. So this has been the Craze Cast, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.